Hello, New Philadelphia Church. How's everybody doing? Good? I got a quick favor to ask of you. I'm going to take a picture, all right? So. All right, so everybody say cheese. One, two, three. All right, all right, good, good, good. It's my, uh, it's my mom's birthday tomorrow, so I gotta send a little picture to her. Thank you for the Oz. Thank you for the, for the Oz. Yeah, so, um, oh, one more thing. Uh, shout out to Sydney, uh, Jen Suh, Sasha, David DJ. Uh, we send our love from Hillside. Told him I'll do that. So, yes, I'm here gonna preach the word to you today. You guys ready for the word today? Yeah. Oh, let's give one more, uh, Clap offering to God for the missions, testimonies that were just shared. Yeah, I got the privilege to go to Tokyo uh, last week. And yeah, even just seeing the testimonies there and coming back and talking to the other teams, there was this constant theme uh, that was going on. And that's what I'm going to preach on today. I'm just going to talk about this love. You know, there is love, all right? There is love. Baby, don't hurt me. I don't think that's the line, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk about love. And, you know, for almost last 10 years, I've been going to, uh, yeah, different mission trips, whether it's summer, winter. Uh, I've been going almost every year for the past 10 years. And I'm telling you, New Philly, we have a special grace. Man, the fruit we see, the supernatural, uh, healings, miracle, the fruit that we see, it's, it's something special. You know, we carry something special in this house. And yeah, so if you have your Bibles with me, turn to the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to look at chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And it's verses 25 to 37. Luke chapter 10, 25 to 37. If you're there, say amen. amen. And we're going to talk about... Oh, snap. i got to turn my Bible there too. Hold up. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan. All right? So I'm just going to read this out. And behold, the lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So yeah, what happens here is, you know, a lawyer, uh, a man who knows not just the common law, but a man who knows the Mosaic law, he comes up to Jesus and he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he's pretty much asking, what can I do to enter the kingdom of God? You know, Jews back then, that's what it was all about. You know, it's about, yeah, the, like banquets, banners. It was all about what can I do to enter the kingdom of God? 
And Jesus replies by asking, what is written in the law? So what happens, the lawyer replies with what we know as the greatest commandment. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus replies, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. Lawyer replies back by asking, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And, you know, even as I'm just uh, preaching more these days, I'm learning, man, there's a power in the word of God. Amen. You know, all scripture is active and living. It's piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, joint and of marrow. It's discerning your thoughts and your intentions. So, yeah, let's just walk through this uh, word, this parable of the Good Samaritan. So, yeah, if you have your Bibles, just follow with me. Yeah, it says here that a man walks from Jerusalem to Jericho. And, you know, what's interesting is Jerusalem is significantly above uh, sea level. And Jericho is below sea level. So as they're going down, it's, it's like a downward slope. And there's all these uh, deserts and rocky places. So it's actually really ideal for robbers to hide and, and rob people. You know, do what they do, right? And, yeah, what happens here is he, he gets robbed, this man. He gets stripped, beaten, and it says that he's left half dead. Anyone here ever get robbed before? All right, yeah, raise them up, high and proud. Yeah. All right, it is not fun, right? You know, getting jumped, getting beat up, it's, it's not fun, you know? Uh, I'm not from Philadelphia, as Pastor Christian loves to say in the sermons, but, you know, I grew up 10 minutes right outside of Philadelphia. So, so I hung out there a lot, though, but let me tell you, man, I almost got jumped many, many times, all right? There was one time I got chased by, like, 40, 50 people down this one block. It was scary, man. I was about to be like this man, half dead, you know, just chilling on the, on the road, right? But, yeah, it's not a fun, it's not a fun experience, all right? But that's what happens to this man here, and he gets robbed. He's stripped. He's beaten. He's half dead. He's left half dead. So what happens? A priest walks by. He sees him. He's saying, oh, no, I'm going to go on the other side. And then he just walks past him, right? A Levite comes. The same thing happens. And then all of a sudden, a Samaritan comes. It says that he comes, he sees him, and he has compassion on him. So what happens? He bounds up his wounds. He pours oil and wine. It says that he brought him to an inn and took care of him. He gives two denarii, which is two days' uh, labor's wages. Two days' uh, wages of, of person's work. It's their salary. And you know, he tells to the innkeeper, you know, take care of him. He says, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay back when I, when I come back. And after Jesus tells his parable, he asks the man, which of these three proved to be a neighbor? The lawyer answers, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus says, you go, you go, and do likewise. So it's interesting that Jesus makes the hero of this story a Samaritan. Because if you look at the context, culturally, this was unthinkable. For a Samaritan, not to even just help out a Jew, but to be with a Jew, it was unthinkable. Because the Jews, when they thought about the Samaritans, when they, when they saw them, they saw them as half-breeds. Anyone here ever see uh, Harry Potter or read Harry Potter? <laughs> you know, they'll be called a mudblood, okay? <laughs> At least I think that's what it's still called. But yeah, you know, that same kind of racism that uh, he who shall not be named and those guys had towards the mudbloods, that's kind of like how the Jews were to the Israelites and vice versa. Because they saw them as half-breeds. They saw them physically as a mixed-blood race. See, what happened in the Old Testament, there's a time when the northern kingdom of Israel, it, it fell down. You know, it, it uh, got captured. And 
once it fell, the king of Azra, he came, right? And he came and it says that he brought all these different Gentiles from different nations. And what happened was they intermarried with the Israelites there. So they were literally you know, half-blooded Jews and half-blooded Gentiles. And even spiritually, the Jews considered Samaritans as half-breeds. Because what had happened was, the Samaritans, they, they believed in the same God that the Jews believe in. They believe in the same God that we believe in today. But what their Bible, their version of the Samaritan Bible is, it's the Pentateuch. Penta, the first five books of the Bible. It's just the Mosaic Law. They didn't have the major or the minor prophets. You know, they didn't have Psalms. And so they believed in the true God, but they didn't believe in all the other revelation that came from it, came from him. So what happened was they knew God, but they didn't really know God. They knew about him, and they knew different parts of him, but they didn't really know God. So even spiritually, the Jews considered the Samaritans as half-breeds. And because it was so unthinkable for Samaritans and Jews to associate, by Jesus telling this parable of the Good Samaritan, he was pretty much saying, everyone and anyone is your neighbor. He shifts the lawyer's improper question of, who is my neighbor, to how can I be a neighbor? Because he's saying, you go and do likewise. He didn't even answer, who is your neighbor anymore. He just said, you go and do likewise. He was answering a question that he came up with saying, how can I be a neighbor? And my question to you today is the same. How can you and I be a neighbor? Tell that to your neighbor right now. So how can you and I be your neighbor? And the answer to that is, and if you're taking notes, this is, this is the sermon title I'm going to have. It's Love Who You See. How can you and I be neighbor? It's by loving who we see. And this does not mean that you do not love the person that you do not see. You know, just a disclaimer, if that wasn't obvious enough. But love who you see, as in love your neighbor. Love the person that's in front of you. You know, when we had missions training uh, for several weeks before we went out to the missions field, uh, we had this one seminar. It was called the Top 10 Things You Gotta Know About Missions or something like that, right? Top 10 Things. And one of the top 10 things where Christianity is about loving the person that's in front of you. And that's what I'm going to preach on today. Love who you see. And there are five ways I want to explain how you love who you see. So if you're ready for this, shout out, love who you see. see. My first point to you is, love who you see with compassion. In verse 33 in chapter 10, it says, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. This word compassion, the definition is to have pity or sympathy. Alright, it's saying... I'm going to have pity or sympathy of someone, okay? And figuratively here, if you look at the, the Greek um, original meaning, it's saying to have your bowels yearn. Ooh, what does that even mean, right? But I looked it up and, and bowels, it symbolized like the seat of your love, the seat of your pity. So what happened here was when the Samaritan, he saw this man that was half dead being he something inside of him, his, his bowels, you know, something, something stirred inside of him, you know, and he was just, ooh, you know, he just got chill, you know, the chills or something. And it says, yeah, he, he felt the seed of his love, the seed of his pity. You know, he felt compassion. He was moved. And the thing is, though, it's not 
Compassion, it's not supposed to end with just a feeling. You know, it's compassion that leads to action. And in a similar way, even the word repentance, if you really look at uh, what it means, it's not just feeling bad, but it's, it's a feeling that leads to action. You know, and this is the kind of uh, definition I heard, where a man, he's just walking down a desert, right? He's going deeper and deeper into the desert. And he could feel bad, he could feel horrible, thirsty, whatever, but you know, once he finds out that he's going the wrong way, he needs to turn back. But even though he feels bad, he's going to keep going. That's not repentance. You know, repentance, because Judas, when he realized that he betrayed Jesus, he felt bad. But he didn't turn around. He went and hung himself. He didn't have repentance. In the same way, when we have compassion, it's one that's supposed to lead to action. Because what happens here, let's keep going. Uh, chapter 10, verse 37. When Jesus asked him, which one of these three proved to be a neighbor? The man said, the one who showed him mercy. And this word mercy means eleos which is active compassion. If you take a notes, write this down. It means active compassion, mercy. It doesn't mean it's just a feeling, but it means something that leads to action. And the cry for mercy that's symbolized here, it's a cry that's prompted from distress. It's a cry for mercy that you make when you're in extreme anxiety, when you're in pain or when you're in sorrow. That's the kind of mercy that comes and it's a mercy that leads to active compassion. And even the word compassion, you know, it's a compound word. Calm, which means with, and passion as in suffering. You know, that's why we have passion of the Christ, the suffering of the Christ, right? And what this is saying here, the type of compassion we're supposed to have is not one that just makes us, you know, feel bad. You know, because the priest and the Levi, they could have felt that. But they didn't do anything about it. You know, they walked around and kind of compassion we're supposed to have is to feel the same kind of pain and suffering that person you see is having, but to do something with that. To do something with them. is to suffer with them. So when this Samaritan saw the half-dead man, he had compassion. He had compassion enough to suffer with the man. You know, he shared in the suffering. It says that when he saw the man, he put him on his animal, donkey or horse, whatever it was. Because this, this man, he was half-dead. He was as limp as a noodle. He was dead weight. He had to lift him up. He had to put him there. He had to walk him to this inn. He didn't even know where it was. But he suffered with him. You know, in the heat and discomfort, he suffered with him. He didn't have to. You know, he suffered with him in his finances. He gave him two denarii, you know. And to some of you, that's a lot of money. And to some, it's even more money. But, you know, it's, he gave two days worth of wages. He, he suffered with him financially. And he was saying, here, I'm going to suffer with this man. I'm going to suffer with him. I'm going to show compassion. I'm going to do something about it. And he says, even whatever additional costs there are, I'll pay it when I come back. Love who you see with passion, with compassion. That's active compassion. With compassion that leads to action. My second point to you is this. Love who you see with self-love. Everyone repeat after me. Love who you see with self-love. In verse 14, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I want to ask you, what does it mean to love your neighbor? It means to love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? It means love others with self-love. And I remember this uh, sermon I heard a long time ago by John Piper, and it was just talking about 
this principle right here of loving others as yourself. And all of you love yourself. Let me tell you that. All right? You all love yourself. All right? <laughs> I know she's not the only one that really loves herself. But yeah, all of you love yourself, okay? It means the same energy and effort you make to love yourself, Jesus is saying, love others. And I'm just going to read this quick uh, excerpt from uh, John Piper, how he describes self-love as. He says, Jesus says in effect, I start with your inborn, deep, defining human trait, your love for yourself. This is a given. I don't command it, I assume it. And all of you have a powerful instinct of self-preservation and self-fulfillment. You all want to be happy. You all want to live and to live with satisfaction. You want food for yourself. You want clothes for yourself. You want a place to live for yourself. You want protection from violence against yourself. You want meaningful or pleasant activity to fill your days. You want some friends like you and spend some time with you. You want your life to count in some way. All this is self-love. Self-love is the deep longing to diminish pain and to increase happiness. And that's what Jesus starts with when he says, as yourself. You all love yourself. You know, even if you, you say, like, I'm a humble man and um, I'm going to live frugal. And, no, you still got to eat. You know, you're going to love yourself to eat. Right? eat, right? And you're going to love yourself enough to, you know, if you feel cold, you feel hot, you're going to take off some clothes or put on some clothes, right? You, the same energy you, you put into just loving yourself in that way, Jesus is saying love others. Again, just going back to food. You know, New Philly, we love to fast. Amen? You know, whether it's personal or corporately, we love to fast. New Philly loves to fast. Amen? All right. So, but man, you know when you're about to end that 10-day or 20-day liquid fast, you're so tired, right? But as soon as you know, oh man, tonight is the night. I'm going to eat that yogurt. And then I'm going to eat whatever I want after. Fried chicken, jajangmyeon, whatever it is, right? Man, you, and then all of a sudden you have this energy, you know? Your, your face is just lit up and you're, you'll do anything. You'll climb mountains. You'll climb up to this church again just to eat, you know, if that's what it means. And, you know, that same kind of energy you have, even when you feel like you're, you're so tired after a 21-day fast, Jesus is saying love others with that same kind of energy. You know, that same kind of love you have for yourself to, to feed yourself when you're starving, Jesus is saying love others that same kind of love, with that self-love. You know, when the Samaritan, when he saw the half-dead man, he probably thought, man, I love myself enough to not be in pain. I'm going to bound up his wounds. I'm going to pour oil and wine on him. You know, he probably thought, man, I love myself enough to not be left alone, so I'm going to tell this innkeeper to take care of him. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to give him money to make sure he does it, because I wouldn't want to be left alone when I'm by myself. You know, when I'm hurting, when I'm by myself. And he pretty much said, I want to love this man the same level of self-love I have for myself. The level of love we have for others is the same level of love or more that we have for ourselves. Love who you see with self-love. My third point to you is this. Love who you see the way God made you to love. You know, God shows his love to his people in a lot of different ways. You know, big conferences, big retreats, guest speakers, the preaching of the word. You know, when you come up here for our altar ministry, when you get hands laid on you, you know, you receive prayer, you receive something supernatural. God ministers to people in powerful ways through that. 
But at the same time, God uses specific people to show His love. Love who you see the way God made you to love. Because every single one of you are different. Some of you are really different. <laughs> in good and bad ways. No, in all in good ways. In all in good ways. But, you know, you all have different talents, different personalities, different giftings, different strengths, different weaknesses, right? All of you are really different. But with these different backgrounds, you are still called to love the person that you see with the way that you were made to love. Because the best way Joe Pang is to love someone is the way that Joe Pang was made to love. You know, the, the best way your small group leader can love you is not in any other way, any other leader or any other pastor in his house, but it's the way that that small group leader was made to love you. You know, the best way Pastor Joel is to love his roommate, his awesome roommate, David on, is the, <laughs> is the way that Pastor Joel is made to love David on. Hallelujah. And, you know, the best way David on is to love his future wife is the best way David on is supposed to love his future wife. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? All right. So, no, but seriously, though, that's why I think Emmaus, Emmaus is our college ministry we have here in New Philly. And we're at Yonsei, we're at Soredei, Koryodei, Ide, every day, soon to be. And, man, I think the reason why Emmaus is so quote-unquote successful and what attracts these students because most of our students they don't want to come to meet the lord let me tell you that joe pang when he wanted to come here <laughs> you know he chose i was his familiar leader so that's why i'm, I'm uh, ragging on him but you know he purposely chose wednesday nights so that he could do something on thirsty thursdays <laughs> you know <laughs> anyways um yeah so <laughs> yeah they don't come all, all hungry for the lord right away but man there's there's a reason why I think Emmaus is so successful. You know, it's not just because we follow the Spirit's leading. It's not just because, uh, you know, God's grace is all over that. Of course, that's the number one reason. But when it comes down to it, our staff, we're mad weird. All right, let me be real. And a lot of the staff are really weird. And, you know, it's really hard for me to, like, who's so calm and has to, like, you know, make them, you know, really bring back the normalcy levels down. You know, it's... Now, our staff are so weird, and, and many of you here have seen our videos. They're pretty wacky. They're pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think it's, it's something cool because what happens is, you know, when these students come and it's their first large group, they have no idea what this ministry is about. They see a crazy man evolving into a butterfly <laughs> or a crazy man or woman just, you know, hugging a tree or something, right? And... And they're like, wow, that's really weird. But man, something special about this place. <laughs> Not just the people. <laughs> but man, there's something here. Because when you really love the person the way you are made to love, there's a freedom that's released. Yeah. And yeah, we've heard this. I wish we heard it more. But I, we've heard this a lot from students where, yeah, they said they feel that comfort. They feel uh, a safety, a level of safety, a level of freedom. Just because the staff are loving on them the way that they were made to love. Yeah, we learn from each other. We learn from Pastor Aaron. We learn from each other how to, you know, better love these students that we're ministering to. But at the end of the day, we're loving them the way that we were made to love. And that's the best way you can love a person. And, you know, the more I think about it, and even, like, yeah, with preaching or, you know, evangelism, you know, ministering, leading small groups, God is awesome. You know, God is 
He's like the playwriter. He's like the Shakespeare. He's like the god of Shakespeare. He literally is. But man, he's like the best playwriter. He's the best movie director. You know, Spielberg has nothing on him because he's writing such a beautiful story. Because God is revealing Himself, a perfect being, to His people through imperfect people. You know, because we're all people covered by His grace. We're drowning in His grace. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking, right? It's just like that song, right? Like, man, we're covered by his grace and God loves to partner with imperfect people to show his perfect love. I want you to really think about that. That's something, it's so humbling, but it's so exciting at the same time. And God wants you to love who you see the way that you were made to love. The only way that you were made to love. My fourth point is this. Love who you see inside the church. That means people here. That means people here in this church. Yeah, inside the church as in, you know, I've been doing this hobby of mine the last couple years where surprisingly enough and manly enough, I like to cut hair. All right? Surprise, surprise, right? And before I came out to Korea, I, I cut some of my friends' hair and I'm just kind of experimenting. They let me do it because if I mess up, they'll, they'll just let me shave their head, you know? They're cool with it. But uh, see, coming out here, I've been hanging out more with uh, Peter Jacob and, you know, I've been, he's been letting me cut his hair and oh, he looks good, man, when I cut his hair. Let me just say that, all right? I need to cut your hair again, though. Maybe, maybe tomorrow, all right? Yeah, okay. But we'll talk later. But, you know... I cut his hair, but let's just say hypothetically, this is impossible, but let's just say I mess up. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and let's just say I mess up. The man has bald spots in places that you don't even know bald spots could exist. You know, there's like hairs, bangs here, and no bangs there. Let's just say I mess up pretty badly, and he doesn't want to shave his head. You know, if he comes to church next Sunday, and he's playing the electric guitar right here, you know, and he's just not looking happy because of his bad haircut. What are you going to do? Are you just going to be like, oh, snap, I'm going to be like this Levite and walk past him? No, you're going to, you should go up to him with compassion <laughs> and just sit down with him and be like, bro, what, how are you doing, man? <laughs> hey, I got this hat for you, you know, just like show some compassion, you know, love on the person inside the church, right? Again, that will never happen. And, you know, I had the honor and privilege to go to uh, Tokyo last week, as I mentioned earlier, uh, with Hannah and many other people. And, yeah, I actually was there uh, before uh, for a year with Campus Crusade doing missions. And it was, it was just good to be back. Uh, and just going with New Philly was such an exciting time. And our team leader, Megan, and our team preacher, Pastor Lydia, they they kept saying over and over again that we're going to minister, we're going to love on people in an organic way. We just kept hearing that organic this, organic that, <laughs> organic praise, organic debriefing, organic loving. I felt like I was in a supermarket or something, you know? It was like, we were in the organic section the whole time, right? And I was like, all right, I got it, I got it. And it was really cool because, man, it, it was just really pulling, like, natural, you know? Let's love on people in a natural way, in an organic way. And... After our, uh, our, all the teams met up last Sunday night, and we had a, a team-wide debrief, and one of the questions were, what is one word or one theme that could describe your mission trip? 
And one of the words I said was, okonomiyaki. Anybody here know what okonomiyaki is? All right. Bless you. Bless you. Okonomiyaki is, it's a Japanese pancake pretty much, all right? But it's not one you get at IHOP, you know, for breakfast. It's one you usually eat for lunch or for dinner. It's kind of a heavy, heavy Japanese pancake where okonomi actually means a bunch of things you like. And yaki means fried. So it means things you like, fried, glory, right? It's just awesome. <laughs> and you just put things together like, like flour and cabbage and random things like squid and uh, fish flakes. And you just, it just all comes together and it works and it's really good. And, and honestly, that's kind of like how our team was. We have uh, members from, uh, you know, three campuses, you know, Hillside, Itaewon, uh, seaside. We had uh, two sons from afar. We had our two sisters from our sister church, uh, the Ark in Berkeley, California. And it was just a mosh posh for all these people coming together. And again, from day one, we kept hearing, let's organically love each other. <laughs> organically love each other. And it was easy. You know, there's a lot of grace. And we all just really fell in love together. And that's, that's the love of Christ that really just, yeah, brings people to such a great level of unity. And for us to come together like that, we didn't know how much of a blessing it was going to be to the people in Japan. Uh, the lead pastor's wife, uh, Pastor Christine, she kept telling us over and over again how so many different leaders, so many different members of their church just kept coming to Pastor Christine and saying, man, this new Philly team, from this small EM in Korea, random church in Korea, come, I'm so blessed by them. I'm so blessed by them. I'm, I'm blessed by seeing the unity that they carry, the love that they have for each other. And she kept hearing that over and over again throughout the week. Because let me tell you, when you love one another, when you love the person that you see, you're going to bless people whether you mean to or not. You know, we had a team meeting in the middle of the week where we just got together. It was daytime. We had some downtime. Megan, our team leader, says, guys, we got to pray. And, you know, we're all thinking like a 10, 15-minute prayer. And all of a sudden, we just felt something happen. And Megan's like, no, we got a warfare. We got to pray. We got to cry out for the revival of this nation. Hallelujah. You know, we're just praying. And we're just praying. And we're like, and, you know, it was hot. I'm not going to lie. I was falling asleep. So I had to stand up. And, and it just got really serious. And then she was like, no, no, I, that's not enough. I want every single one of you to pray. All 13 of you to pray right now. And I was like, yes, Lord. We're going we're gonna to pray. And, and all 13 of us prayed. So like an hour and 35 minutes later, we, we, we open our eyes. And all of a sudden, we see these two ladies. It was a mother and a daughter who was with us. And uh, they were missionaries that just came to Japan uh, about two months ago. Uh, they're from Texas, this nice uh, mom and daughter. And they were just crying. And they're, you know, it was a surprise to us. And they're just crying and they're like, I remember the mom still, she was saying, man, you guys are like a breath of fresh air. The love, the unity that you guys carry is something special. And it's, it's blessing us so much. Like, it's encouraging us. It's uplifting us up so much. You know, we didn't plan for Megan to, you know, go into revival, uh, you know, fire prayer for, for a long time. You know, we didn't plan that just so this, you know, two missionaries could come and, and that we could bless them. You know, it wasn't planned, but by us just loving on one another, being in unity, man, it blessed people. It blessed people inside the church. And, yeah, that's the kind of love that we're called to have. So love who you see inside the church. And my last point to you is this. 
very natural transition, very organic. Love who you see outside the church. Uh, about a month ago, our team met up for training, and at night we all went busking in Myeongdong, and it was really cool. And we went over to one of our teammates' house, and yeah, we just had dinner, fellowship, and it kind of ended late. So I stayed there till close to midnight, got on my subway, and then, uh, yeah, the, the subway stopped running. And so I had to get off at Seoul National University uh, Station, and then I had to, you know, just get out. I had this heavy guitar. It was so hot. I was so tired. I was like, I just want to get home. So I just walk out, like, five, ten minutes, because there's, like, a plethora of people, and all these taxis are being taken, so I had to just find a taxi as soon as I can. And, and then once I found a taxi, I was like, yes. You know, I, I go up there. And then I hear someone right behind me say, Hapjong? Oh, no? Okay. And then that's where I live, Hapjong. So I was like, without even thinking, I was like, hey, you want to you wanna split a cab? I was like, come on, let's do it. And, uh, you know, she came in. Because in America, you do that all the time. I don't know about Korea. I haven't taken a taxi enough to do that with strangers. But, uh, yes, I did that. And as soon as she came in, I was like, okay. This girl's about to go somewhere tonight, you know? She's dressed for a certain occasion, that's for sure. And... <laughs> It's it pretty obvious she was going to, you know, hit up the clubs or something. Hapjong Hongdae area on a Saturday night. Come on. You know, it was pretty, pretty obvious. And, but I was like, all right, God, how do you, what do you want me to say? And I was just asking God, what do you, how do you want me to love on this girl right now? So I was like very hesitant. I was like, I don't want to say, hey, I'm Pastor David at New Philadelphia Church. And Jesus loves you. Wink. You know, I didn't want to do that right away. Like, you know, I didn't... If the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and prompted my heart, maybe I would have done that. But, you know, we're called to be the salt of the earth. But, yeah, you ever put a lot of salt in your food before? You ever put too much salt in your food and then it's just too salty? There's the point of no return, right? We're called to be salt, but we're not called to be too salty. All right? So I was just talking to her and I was just asking, you know, and I found out that she grew up in uh, state New Jersey where I went to college. I was like, oh, hey, I went to college here. And she was actually the one that first said, hey, I went to a Christian high school. And I was like, okay, yes, she said Christian first. <laughs> that's my, that's my door in, you know, I'm going to just walk in. And then, you know, she's just talking. And again, I don't think I told her I was a, I was a pastor, you know, but I just talked to her. And, and what happened was she just ended up opening up her heart. And she just shared and she was saying like, you know, she was a pastor's kid. And for like 25 years, she was just serving the Lord and, and helping out at her dad's church. And actually part of the reason why she came out to Korea was to kind of get a break, you know, just to just take a step back from that. And she's just saying, yeah, I just, you know, just really opening her heart, being vulnerable with this random Korean-American guy, right, in a, in a taxi. And, and then she says, uh, as she's just sharing her heart, she's saying, man, you're like the third person this month that I feel like God's using to really bring me back to him. You know, it was like her, her dad visited and was like, you need a church community. You need Christians. You need to come back to God. Like her friend from hope, uh, from home was just telling her the same thing. And then this random stranger, you know, same thing, right? And it was just very natural. Very organic. You know, organic. Like the shopping center, right? And, you know, when we got out to cab, I felt the Lord just say, yeah, just pay for, pay for the taxi. And I was like, Lord, I am a broke seminarian. <laughs> but I will pay for this taxi in Jesus' name. I pay for the cab. I'm like, let me just bless her in this way. And 
you know, we come out and she's just so grateful. She's just so like overflowing with gratitude. And she's like, you know, I just want to thank you so much. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to go to the club like this. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just so happy that we had this talk. And she's like, man, if you could just even pray for me uh, later too, that would be great. And she was talking about later, but I was like, no, 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 right now. And we're just talking, we're just talking. And then as she's about to say goodbye, I was like, hey, actually, can I, can I pray for you right now? Right in front of Hapjung Station when everyone's drunk and walking around. I was like, <laughs> you know, and she was like, yeah, sure, sure. And then, you know, I'm just, she's just there. She's receiving, you know. She's hungering for it. And I just started praying. And, you know, the Spirit of the Lord was there. It was powerful. I'm just speaking words of life into her. I'm blessing her just with words of the Father. And, you know, she just starts crying. And it was just a powerful time. Powerful time when she got ministered to. And I just felt... The Lord was just saying, yeah, you got to love who you see. You know, love who you see with compassion. Because remember that the Father, He simply wants to love people through the people that you love, through the people that you see. He wants us to love who we see, you know, with our self-love. He wants us to love who we see the way that God made us to love. And He wants us to love who we see, both inside and outside the church. And Jesus, he puts it another way. He says in John 13, 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. He's pretty much saying the same standard of love that I have for you. Love one another. He's saying the same level and the same energy of love that he had to come down to earth. To meet us where we're at. Not to say, hey, come up here. Come up here. Meet me where I'm at. No, he came to where we were. He descended upon earth. He's saying that same level of love. Love one another. You know, he's saying, even when you know people are going to backstab you. People like Judas. People like, who are, who you know you're going you're gonna to heal them. But you know you'll probably never see them again. People who you know that you're not going to return anything back from them. Love on them. Love on them with the same level of love that I had for them. He's saying, love people with the same level of love that I had when I died on the cross. It's profound if you think about it. It's actually impossible if you think about it. But that's why in 1 John 4.19 it says, we love because he first loved us. And if we really want to love the person that we see, we need a deeper revelation of the love that Jesus has for us. Yeah, let's pray. Jesus asked the man, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? 
He said, the one who showed him mercy, the one who showed him active compassion. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Father, I thank you that you call us to love who we see, to love our neighbor, to love the person that is in front of us. Lord, I thank you that you call us to love with compassion, to love with a self-love, to love the way that we were made to love, and to love those who are both inside and outside the church. But Lord, if we want to love those as you have loved us, God, we need a deeper revelation of your love here today. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, our helper, come in this room. Lord, we know that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was crucified, buried, and he rose again. But Father, take us deeper to that revelation. May it not just be head knowledge to us. May the cross never be something we just look at, but may it be something that is dear and close to our heart. I just pray, Lord, right now for a fresh revelation of your love for us. And that it will not be a selfish love that we receive, but it will be one that we give out, Lord, again. I feel like there's some people in this room especially the ones that grew up in a church. And you've heard this message. You've heard the message of the cross many times. And if you feel like it's just news, it's just head knowledge to you, and you feel like your heart's been kind of distant to what the cross really means, I want you to stand up. You know, when Jesus met two disciples on the road to Emmaus, it said that the two disciples, when they, after they realized that they met Jesus, it said their hearts were burning. Their hearts were burning. And as followers of Jesus Christ, it's God's heart for our hearts to always burn after him. And I just want to share briefly about my time when I was in Japan where I used to pray night and day for the revival of Japan when I was there for my year. And I didn't feel, I didn't feel a lot of emotions. I didn't feel, I was crying out to the Lord, but it didn't feel like it was from the depths of my heart. And I was toiling and I was praying and asking God for his heart for Japan. And then after coming back, and being in Korea for about two years now. The last two months before I went to Japan, as I was preparing to go to Tokyo, God just poured out a supernatural heart of compassion for His people. In my prayer closets, when people prayed for me, as soon as I heard salvation in Japan, I would just break down in, in tears and crying. And I want to remind every person right now, 
Although it may not feel like it, it may not feel like just because you're emotional. You know, the Lord, there's many layers to the heart that you have after Jesus. Even as Joe said in his testimony, his weak love was not fake love. Your love is not fake. Your love is pleasing to the Father. And God, I just pray right now that you just bring each and every heart of the person standing up right now. Bring them deeper, Lord, to what the cross means. Bring them deeper, Lord, to what the gospel means, oh God. God, may we never be a people whose hearts grow cold. May we never treat your gospel message with contempt, oh Lord. You are the reason why we breathe. You are the reason why we have life, God. I just pray fresh revelations upon them, Lord, right now. Breathe upon them, oh God. I pray, Lord, even this week, oh God, as a sign of your goodness, meet them in powerful ways as they read your word, as they pray, as they seek your face, even when they wake up, Father, meet them in ways that they've never met you before. Take them deeper than their first love, oh God. Take them deeper than their first love, oh God.